0: Good morning. morning. We want to welcome you to GBC, and those that are watching live streaming, we want to welcome you as well. Right now, I want you to stand up and turn to somebody you don't know and greet them in the name of Jesus. Okay, for those that are visiting with us this morning, we are in a series on the Sermon of the Mount. You can be seated. Turn to Matthew 6, and as you do that, I want to pray. Father God, um, it is good to be here, and as we gather to worship to you and you alone, May we humbly bow our knees as your spirit speaks to us through your word. Teach us, enlighten us, and again, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be here this morning. It's only through your grace that we can see you face to face someday. We do think of those that cannot be here this morning due to illness and other reasons. We uplift them to you in prayer for those that are encountering surgery this week for those that are saying goodbye to loved ones may your peace which passes any kind of understanding that we have on this earth just be with them during these times thank you lord that we can be here may we worship you in spirit and in truth in your name we pray and everyone said amen we have been talking about kingdom of god living That as people who follow Jesus, we are different. Not for the sake of being different. Rather, our calling is to live according to our design. And we've been going through this passage where he talked about anger and lust, marriage, revenge, what it means to love your enemies. And we're going to see a shift now. And the shift is about what we call doing good or positive Christian Disciplines This past Wednesday If you happen to be of another faith They began what was called Ash Wednesday And there's a little phrase When you read up about Ash Wednesday Here's what they say Remember you are dust And to dust you return So Ash Wednesday is about confronting our, morta- our mortality And later on in our service As an act of response We're going to take communion And communion is by God's grace. Death has no power over us in this life or the next. That's what we celebrate. And the idea of Lent is that we give up something so we can concentrate on getting closer to God. I mean, that's the purpose or the idea. And I don't know about you, but I know every once in a while I have to realign my life because I get busy and I start doing things and I got to sit back and say, wait a minute. What is it that's keeping me from God? What is it I need to do to get me closer to God? So we have seasons of examination to realign our hearts. Now, again, like most people do, we distort this and we make Lent. Well, I'm going to give up sugar because I want to lose weight. You know, it's about us. It's not about who he is. Now, what we're going to discover in this passage is that everything is a matter of the heart. Character inside is critical to our outsides and what we do. Doing flows out of our being. So, we live in a Christ like way regardless of who or what is around us. We are not defined by our circumstances we are defined by the Christ that we worship. And so we're going to see this shift. And we're going to see this shift in terms of what we often call doing good things. Three critical disciplines the next 3 weeks. One is giving, and that's what we're going to talk about today and it's just not financial giving, it's giving of ourselves to this world to make it a better place. It's what we call blessing people. Two is prayer. And three is fasting. So if you have God's word, turn to Matthew 6. We're going to read the first four verses. We'll begin in verse 1. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. There's a story that's told of a holy man. Who covered himself with ashes as a sign of humility. And he regularly sat in a very prominent street corner of his city. And when tourists would come by, they'd ask permission to take his picture. So the holy man would rearrange his ashes to give the best image of destitution and humility for the picture. A great deal of religion amounts to nothing more than rearranging our religious ashes to impress people. We need to be careful that we don't do things to be seen by and get the praise of other people. Again, this is nothing new. Back in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11, we see God who ordered these sacrifices, who, God, who ordered these religious practices. Here's what he says. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of well fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls, or of lambs, or of goats. I mean, he was the one who told them to do this. And he's saying, I don't want to see it anymore. Then, down in verses 16 through 18, he says this Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds. Before my eyes, and he's talking about our hearts. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. And then a very familiar verse that many of us memorized when we were kids. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. So we see Jesus doing here in verse one is confronting our motives. Do we seek the praise of people when we do things? Or is our heart in the game? Do we seek to give God the glory alone by what we do? Again, he's talking about the Pharisees in another place in Matthew, Matthew 23, verse five. He says, they do all their deeds to be seen by others. And then in John chapter 12, verse 43 For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. You've heard me say this so many times. We come here to worship to an audience of one. And that's just not Sunday mornings. That is Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. We seek his approval. God is our witness and we need no other. So before we move on, it's time for a gut check. You don't need to raise your hands on this. Just kind of gut check yourself. Ever feel underappreciated? That you did all these nice things and nobody noticed? Ever get offended because people have not acknowledged your contribution? You put all this hard work in and nobody said anything. Ever compare yourself with others? You know, if if they would only, if other Christians would only do what I do, then, or if only Christians would give like I give, then, Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. You know, people that commend themselves, they pat themselves on the back so hard it breaks their arm. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, very interesting phrase that Paul talks about here. He says what? They are without understanding. They don't get it. So what Jesus says in the very first verse is this, that we have to live in such a way that we do not need the praise of people. Now, it's nice when we get it, and it does not mean that we do not give it. I've heard people say this. Well, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want them to lose the reward. Their reward is not dependent on you; it's dependent on their heart. Do you understand that? Now, having said that, I got an email this past week of encouragement. I'm going to read it to you because this is written to you guys. It's written to this church. Person wrote this. I just want to drop you a note to say thank you. You don't know me personally but I wanted to thank you and your staff and your church for your service, commitment and love for this community. It is making an impact. Your work is bearing fruit. So thank you, be encouraged. You are making a difference. Keep it up with gratitude. Then they sign their names. Uh, that's a good use of social media, by the way. You know, I've been busted on social media the last couple of weeks. But you know, that's an encouraging word from somebody from the community noticing some of the things that we're doing. Paul says in Romans 12, verse 1, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. If our hearts are worshiping to an audience of one, then everything we do is for him. Amen? Amen. Let's go to verse 2. Matthew 6, verse 2. Thus... When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you. You ever hear the phrase that someone blows their own horn? Well, this is where this comes from. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, the word hypocrite is the word actor. We're talking about intentional deception, where they play a role. And you know, if you play a role long enough, we actually begin to believe our own press We start saying things like this. Well, you know, if only people thought like me and give like me and have mercy like me and do many good things as I do, and then we conclude that this world would be a better place. That is not worshiping to an audience of one. That is living and giving and doing to seek the praise of other people. And what Christ says here is this. When they have that attitude, when their heart isn't aligned with their actions, it spoils their giving. God delights in acts of mercy and generosity. He does not delight in us blowing our own horns. He doesn't like symbolic generosity. You know where we make sure how we look like? Look at verse three. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, part of this probably refers to what we call spontaneous generosity. It's where you see a need and you simply get involved in that need and spontaneously be Christ to that person. That we do it because God moved our heart to be generous. That satisfaction was found in us doing that act of generosity and not how many people saw it. No matter who knows or who doesn't know, now, this passage has all kinds of distortions. I mean, one of them is that people say, well, you know, when I give money, and because money's the God of our world, we get weird about it, we say, nobody can know what I give. It has to be a secret thing. Well, there's a passage of scripture that kind of breaks that idea down in Mark chapter 12. It says in verse 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. (laughs) If it's supposed to be a secret deal, what's Jesus doing watching? And by the way, it may be secret to everybody else, but guess who knows? Christ knows. God knows. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which makes a penny. And he called his disciples to them and said them to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they contributed it out of their abundance. She, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had and all that she had to live on. See, the secret is the heart. The secret is the heart. We do not do it for the praise or to impress people. Now at my stage of life and since I brought up about the distortion with giving financially and money I'll be honest I really do not care if you know what I give to GBC and other places I really don't Why? Because I don't do it for you And that frees me from your praise or criticism about whether I should do more or less I do it for his glory Now reverse this for a moment What if you're a person that feels this need to know what other people are giving or doing? Did you ever ask yourself why? Now, I've heard some people justify this saying, well, I want to make sure that other people are doing their fair share. That's the Pharisee in us. See, as soon as we say we want to make sure people are doing their fair share, we become judge, jury, and sentencer because we are comparing them with who? Who? With me, with ourselves. Because fair is defined by how I want to define fair. The same with doing good. Jesus here is talking about giving alms to poor, disadvantaged people who have less than we do. But we do all this comparison. And and this comparison, we have this assumption that we know. And this assumption about what we think we know, we believe we are far more knowledgeable than we really are. Now I want to tell two stories that are going to illustrate that. One is a video. And for those that are watching live streaming, uh, there's going to be put up kind of a, a website you can go to to watch this because you will not see it on live streaming, okay? They'll just see it here in this auditorium. But first, the story. Operation Underground Railroad. I don't know how many people have heard that. Started by a guy by the name of Tim Ballard. Anybody know who Tim Ballard is? He worked for the CIA. He worked for Homeland Security. He was an operative, undercover operative, working the porn industry and the sex trafficking, trying to arrest kid porn, that kind of stuff, getting kids out of it. He became so frustrated because in the government, there's bureaucracy and red tape. And there was places he couldn't go. There was things he couldn't do. So he quit. <laughs> and him and his wife went to prayer and fasting about what to do. I should say he went to prayer and fasting first, then he quit. The year was 2012. He went and used his contacts in other countries. He formed a team of ex-Navy SEALs and CIA operatives because he stated this, he needed people with unique skills. The places he was going into were very, very dangerous. But he did it with cooperation of local police and other kinds of things. And he went to work. He had no idea where the money would come from. He did it in cooperation with the other countries that the U.S. had no access to. But here's one of the quotes in the interview he gave. He says, We do everything we can, but things will happen on the Lord's time. That's when it is most productive. To date, in the last four years, they have rescued over 600 children out of this evil and vile industry. And they started an aftercare program to minister to these kids who face some of the darkest evil in our world. Now, here's the hard truth for us in America. Most of these industries exist in Thailand and Haiti and other places because of rich American Westerners who patronize them. That's on us. And we have to stop it from the inside. But he does it for the sake of it's the right thing. No recognition, no glory. But they're out there on the front lines. He does say this, that he found out that most of his volunteers last an average of two years because they just can't take the emotional and mental torment that when they go in these places undercover and they see what they see and they hear what they hear. It just literally destroys who they are and they have to get away from it for a time. Now, the second story comes out of Thailand. Um, I need to tell you at first... This was a commercial or an ad for a lingerie company. And you're probably thinking, what is Pastor Ed going to show? <laughs> if you go to YouTube, you type in my beautiful woman campaign. And these ads are both profound. In fact, they are very pro woman and pro life. And they become a global phenomenon. Millions of people watch them online and clearly they hit a nerve. First, because most lingerie ads do what? They focus on women's bodies. And they suggest that a woman's appearance is the most important thing about her and even put images out there that are unrealistic. But these ads challenge young women to value themselves in other ways, to celebrate strength, sacrifice, courage, and compassion. They're teaching women something else. That a worthwhile man will value them not based on outer beauty, which is fleeting, but on inner beauty, which is based on character. Now there's three I 'm going to show one of them. It's a story. A story about a young college student with a child named June. And it 's in Taiwanese. Don't worry. there's an interpretation underneath the screen so we can read it in English, but you have to pay attention. But look at the storyline. Look at how, and I'm going to use the word Pharisees, Pharisees judge her, talk about her, about this child and about her, about who the father is. It goes through her love for June until finally one of June's teachers asks an obvious question. I'll leave it there. Let's watch the video. i เป็น 4 ราคาขายตอนนี้เธอ 18 I'm going to เป็น <S Think avengedercciones> <SIS Bros> Uh-huh. Why don't you tell me I The เดี๋ยวมันจะ Small company in Thailand got it right. It's not what we do; it's about who we are that makes us beautiful. It's about doing the right thing, regardless of the cost. I think the line that got me in that short clip was, "Why don't you tell the truth?" And she said, "I'd rather have them talk about me than talk about you." Jesus calls us to be kingdom of God Christians. Let me sum this passage up this way. First, giving is from our hearts. The heads involved, yes, Paul states, God loves a cheerful giver. But inside our character, it has to be in our DNA. Two, giving is sacrificial. If we only give out of our abundance, if it doesn't cost us anything. To quote about loving your enemies. Even the pagans do that. I mean, there's signs of generosity all across America where people give out of their abundance, but... What about giving out of yourself? Three, giving is a response to a need. And I realize that we are bombarded with appeals like never before, and many are legitimate and worthy causes. Um, Don't you just wish you had an unlimited amount of money to give away? (laughs) Had a crazy dream last night. Probably tied into my sermon. For whatever reason, my wife and I had a billion dollars to give away, it was all cash. And we encounter situations, you just kind of pull out half a million, lay it down for a cause. That was a lot of fun last night. 1 <laughs> Corinthians sixteen two says on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside so we can respond to needs. And 4, giving demonstrates the love of God in us. Paul writes in Romans 5, verse 8, But God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's going to be our response this morning. We're going to celebrate communion that Jesus tells us to remember. And communion is an act of of realizing that we are sinners, that we are saved by his grace. And we celebrate his death and his resurrection because that is what gives us life. And we do not have to fear death because we know that someday, someplace, we'll be alive and we'll see him face to face. So as we prepare, we at GBC practice what's called open communion, which means you don't have to be a member here. If you believe that Christ died and rose again for your sins we welcome you to celebrate and may this be a time of reflection may this be a time where we just look inward to ourselves and upward to him and realize that we are called to live like him and go and live that generosity that he given to us so out of this relationship we then become generous followers of Jesus let's enter a time of communion